welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Welcome. Hello. Oh, I, I need to be speaking slower. Sorry. Welcome to Hillcrest Chapel. We, I've got to get all my things just right. My name is Christy, and I am not the teaching pastor at Hillcrest Chapel, but my husband, Tim, is. I don't know if you noticed, I was trying to just embrace how he welcomes us on a Sunday. (laughs) It's such a privilege to be here. Tim says it a lot, but it is such a privilege to be speaking and sharing our hearts with you this morning. You are literally and figuratively our family. And we care a lot about you, and we feel your affection for us, and we're so deeply thankful to be a part of this community. Um, This series that we're in is called The Art of Being Human. I'm so thankful for Heidi, my dear friend, and her daughter Kaya, and the art that they are creating in our midst. Um, Heidi is amazing, as is her daughter. And so two weeks ago, Tim talked about wonder. One week ago, Christian talked about technology. If you missed those, they're on the website. But thank you, Christian. We love you, and we're so thankful for you. Um, So why am I here with you? Tim and I have never done a sermon together before. And a few months ago, we were talking in the kitchen about this series, and I thought, ooh, this is a fun series. Like, can I help? Like, can I do it with two? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, okay. I was excited about it. I thought it was a great idea. How do you say no? (laughs) No, he could have. And I would have been like, okay. No, um, so I thought it would be fun for us to do a sermon together. We've never done one together before. But another reason is, you know, I'm Tim's wife. I'm a mom to four beautiful girls. I am a sister and a daughter and a friend. But I'm also a licensed uh, mental health counselor. And it is my honor and my privilege to walk with people who are experiencing different types of mental health concerns. And it is, it is such a gift to journey with them, to ask questions, to listen to their hearts, to feel that emotion with them that they're feeling, and to see the Lord interact with them in that space. And it's, it's very sacred, and so I'm so thankful um, for that privilege. So... Since I'm here, I thought you guys should see some pictures of us when we were younger. We have been married for 15 years this June, and so here we are in our first apartment, a basement apartment. Yes. Last month. Yes, 15 years ago in our basement apartment in Inglewood, Colorado. I love overalls, okay? I love them so much. I think I might even bring them back. Tim, maybe not so much, but. I love overalls. That's okay. I love overalls. Okay, next picture. This one is a good one. Here we are. We are at we are at Disney World. This was over ten years ago. We were on vacation in Florida, and we didn't have children, and we had lots of time on our hands. And so, what should we do? We should dye Tim's hair. So, what we should do took four hours, a World Cup football game, soccer game, and two very large doses of bleach to get it to that color. But we did it, and I really liked it. It looked really should cool. I'll bring it back, probably. Yeah, just yes. the beard. <laughs> yes, yeah. as it was growing out. Oh, I loved it. No thanks. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to say, uh, you know, um, first of all, thank you, Christy, for being willing mm-hmm. to do this yeah. with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, Christy, uh, like she said, as a, you know, as a professional counselor, you know, we're talking about anxiety today. That's the topic. And so mm-hmm. this is, she, uh, 
this is her kind of professional, this is what she does, working, walking with people in areas of anxiety. So I'm more of an amateur, but um, it has been, it's been fun talking about this with you. And then also just interesting for myself, learning more about uh, anxiety. And I just uh, want to share, to give us a sense, I want to give us some statistics just to give a sense for anxiety in our world uh, today. So this is, these stats are from the National Institute of Mental Health. You can find it on their website, but uh, 19% of the uh, U.S. adult population uh, is wrestling with diagnose, a, a form of anxiety that would be called a diagnosable anxiety disorder at any given time. Uh, you know, so one out of five people at any given time. 31% of adults in the U.S. will, uh, will experience a diagnosable anxiety disorder at some point in their lifetime. That's nearly a third of adults. So just to give a sense, could we have this set, this middle section stand? Everybody stand in this section. It's probably about, we have three sections, probably about a third of the room. So if, if the people in the room this morning, if we are representative of the U.S. adult population, this is the number of us that will experience a diagnosable anxiety disorder at some point in our life. I find that sobering. Yeah? You, thank you. You can sit down. Uh, that tends to uh, affect women more often. Women are 60% more likely to experience an anxiety disorder. And then I would just want to give some statistics on, on teenagers. So 13 to 18-year-olds, 32% of them uh, will experience an anxiety disorder at some point during their teenage years. 32%. And, and if you note, that's actually higher than the adult rate. It seems like this is increasing. Uh, so, I, you know, I say that, I, say, I want, like, I don't want there to be embarrassment or shame around this, that this is, this is widespread, and if you think about that's just diagnosable anxiety. Many of us have anxiety that wouldn't be diagnosed as anything, but it makes life very difficult. Many of us are walking with family members or friends, experience this kind of anxiety. And so uh, the majority of us in this, our lives all, have been, will be, or are being touched by this, and I, you know, let's that it's not to be embarrassed of, it's not to be ashamed of. That hopefully this morning kind of brings it out into the light. It's okay to talk about this, and actually, it bringing it out into the light is part of the healing process. Um, a few other things I just want to say, kind of before we really get started, is uh, one that we recognize that a single talk can never will never be the silver bullet. That there's no nothing you can say in 30 minutes that will kind of fix anxiety. This is something that you walk through. You, it's a process that you manage over a period of time. And hopefully, you know, this, it's not going not gonna to make, it's not a silver bullet, but hopefully, I do, we do pray that God uses this for a kind of a lightning, a sense of hope uh, in some of our lives this morning. So with that, I want to uh, open to the first uh, scripture we're going to look at today. You don't need, it's just a real quick, you don't need to flip there. I just want to read it for us. This is from the New Testament. It's a leader in the Jesus movement by the name of Paul. He's writing to the man he mentored, Timothy. He's writing this letter 2,000 years ago. And there's this line in there that I think profoundly speaks to um, how we think about anxiety. So 1 Timothy 5, 23. Paul writes, Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. 
Now, some of you are like, wait, what is that? What? <laughs> You're talking about anxiety? And did you just read a use a little wine verse of the Bible? Uh, yes. But the, the point is not... <laughs> The point is not self-medicate. Obviously, that's not what I'm talking about. That is a major issue, self-medication. What I, but I want to talk about the, think about the implicit assumption at work in the mind of Paul as he writes this. So here's Paul, regularly prays for, for physical healing for people. Here's Paul who has literally been used to heal people by the power of God. And the, and, the, and the man that Paul mentors is someone who experiences frequent illnesses. And that Paul says, hey, here's this practical, physical thing you can do to deal with these physical illnesses. And I think that the assumption that's at work in Paul's mind and at work in Scripture is that we are, what you might say, we are holistic beings. There are all these dimensions of our lives and that, and that dealing with any mental health issue or, or particularly anxiety as we're talking about today is going to involve interacting with all these different aspects of our humanity. So, uh, for example, uh, there's a professor that I had at uh, Regent College. His name was Rod Wilson, PhD in psychology, and he would often use this acrostic when he was talking with us. And it was uh, preaches. And he would say, humans have all these different aspects, physical, relational, emotional, action, cognitive, historical, environmental, and spiritual. And the idea is that that God created all of us. God created all of you, all the different parts of your life, your humanity. God cares about all the different aspects of your humanity. And, and managing anxiety will involve interacting with, addressing all the different aspects of our humanity. God cares, God created, cares about, and managing anxiety involves all of this. So, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, in one of the first or second sessions that I have with the people I see, I ask questions about their exercise and about their sleep patterns and about their diet because taking care of our physical bodies does relate to our mental health. You know, throughout the course of therapy, we'll talk about relationships, past relationships, present relationships, like conflict, areas of conflict and tension. Um, We talk about emotions. I mean, that's a pretty, you know, you think about counseling. Yes, you think about sharing your emotions and that is part of it like bringing the emotions out bringing them to the surface being comfortable like to express them and to sit in them um, having someone be with you and in them and for anxiety in particular like bottling it up can often make it worse and so just like letting it out and getting it out into the surface um actions was is mentioned and sometimes it is it's changing behaviors it's learning new techniques it's learning new skills. Um, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, which means I care a lot about what people are thinking. Like I deeply believe that the things that we say to ourselves have an effect on, on our hearts and on our lives. And so identifying like where are the lies and how can we replace those lies with truth and what is actually true about you. Um, environmental, sometimes our environments can be very toxic. And so what does it look like to get out of that environment or to change that environment? Um, last week, like I said, Christian talked about technology and smartphones and per- social media in particular. There's research that's coming out that connects, um, particularly for teenagers and young adults, like their amount of time spent on their 
smartphone and on social media with increases in anxiety and depression. And so for some of my teenagers that I see, I just say, hey, let's try not being on your phone so much this week. Let's just see what happens. Let's just see how it feels. Um, and it has actually been really cool for them to report back to me what, the, what that was like. Um, and spiritual. In my professional capacity, I can't always necessarily directly address the spiritual component of a person. They know that I'm a Christian counselor, but for the people I see who have an active relationship with Jesus, like interacting with, like, what does the Lord say about you? Like, we, like, let's pray. Like, let's pray about this. Who are you talking to about this? Like, what scriptures are you thinking about? Are you meditating on? Because I do really believe in the power of prayer and in God's desire to heal us. Um, and it's rarely one, just one of these things, right? It's just rarely fixing your sleep. It's just rarely, it's rarely just changing your thought patterns because we are beings that are multifaceted. It involves a lot of different aspects. And I say to my clients, you know, we, we get to kind of open up these tender places, these broken places, these vulnerable places and try new things, but we cannot manufacture our own healing. Like as, try, as hard as I would want to heal someone, I don't have that capacity. I only can help people open up and allow the Lord to bring healing and restoration. We wanted to be practical this morning, and so we have a gift for you. Under the first row, first and second row, there are baskets with little fabric squares. And so if you're sitting in the first or second row, can you reach down and grab those baskets? Um, they're different colors. They're different shapes. I mean, they're all squares. They're different sizes. So I realize for some of us, it may be hard to make a quick decision. But... Um, They'll make their way back as I'm continuing to talk. And one of the first things I like to teach the clients that I see, especially ones that are experiencing anxiety, is a thing called um, grounding techniques. And what's a grounding technique? A grounding technique is anything that helps us get out of our heads and back engaged with our bodies. Because especially when we're in that heightened state of anxiety, one of the most beneficial things we can do is to re-engage with our physical bodies. And so... A simple way to do this is just to take a few deep breaths. So let's all do that together. Let's breathe in through our nose and out through our mouth. Feels so good. Let's do it again. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And once you get your little piece of fabric, it doesn't have to be fabric. I realize this doesn't work for everyone. Some people are really into like rocks. Not soft rocks, like I said in first service, but hard rocks, but rocks that are smooth and that you can hold in your hand and that you can rub. But I didn't bring rocks. I brought little pieces of fabric. So grab it and feel it in your hand. I bought, intentionally bought and cut, you are welcome, 600 of them, um, soft fabric. So feel it in your hand. What does it feel like? Like notice it. Um, squeeze it. Like you can feel your thumb pressing against the material and then maybe take another deep breath and just notice it. Notice it in the palm of your hand. So it's yours to keep or you can give it to someone or you can give it back to me and I'll use it with my clients and you can go find something else that works a little bit better for you. But um, this reality of let's get, you know, getting back in touch with our bodies can be really helpful when we're experiencing heightened anxiety. Um, this summer, the beginning of the summer, I started having these weeks where I would wake up feeling nauseous and lightheaded, and like my body was totally unsafe, like out of control. And I labeled it as anxiety, but it felt 
like anxiety in my body. It wasn't anxiety in my mind. I'm like, I'm a therapist. Like I should know like how to help myself. And yet my body was so out of control. It was Tim can attest. I was like, I can all I can do this. How can I care for our children? Um, but my, yeah, it did. My body felt out of control and this happened for a few months. And I said, I need to go see my doctor. Like something is not right. And so I went to the doctor and she and I talked about it and she says, you know, I have a medication that I can give you, but I'm not totally sure that that's going to be that helpful. Why don't you go see a naturopath? And I was like, a naturopath? I've never seen a naturopath before. I'd had funny associations with naturopaths. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. And she's like, well, just just go try it. I'm like, okay. So very skeptically, I went to the naturopath and I talked with her and shared. I didn't go on the medication that my doctor suggested. I just, I'm just going to try this. And so the naturopath changed my diet. She gave me some vitamins and supplements I am now drinking, most days, apple cider vinegar, like first thing in the morning, because she is convinced that that is, gut health is helpful, and so I am doing that. Um, Around the same time, we had our youth Sunday service, and I love this, and I'm crying because I see Christina. Um, At the end of the youth Sunday service, the youth, the high schoolers always are up here, and they're praying for people, and you need to be prayed by a high school student on youth Sunday. It is the best. I love it every year. I love it so much. I always get prayer. It's always something I need prayer for. And so Christina DeCoster prayed for me. She prayed a prayer of healing for me. And granted, I wasn't like healed in that moment, but I was so deeply encouraged by her prayer and to like keep going with the natural path and everything that was happening. And in people were praying for me, like my small group ladies were sending me like texts of encouragement and my walking partner was praying for me. And Tim obviously was doing a very good job caring for me. Um, And I can say with full confidence that I am not experiencing that anymore. Like that component of my anxiety is gone. Like I have been healed. Yes, I felt nervous this week, like getting ready for this sermon. And I am confident I will experience anxiety in the future. But that waking up feeling just totally undone in my body is no longer happening. And I am just so deeply grateful. And I, and a lot of it was because I engaged on a lot of levels um, with what was happening. Yeah. And, and I think um, we, you know, Christy wanted to share that just this, just simple, this idea that we are, that God cares about all those different parts of her life and that managing that season of anxiety was, was addressing all those being prayed for and addressing the physical and the relational and being vulnerable and, and talking about it out loud. And, I, and all, for all of us, God cared. God created every aspect of you. And God cares about every aspect of you. And mm-hmm. for, for anxiety in particular, it's going to involve thinking about and engaging with all those different aspects. And that's, that's all right. That's part of how we are put together. I think, um, you know, sometimes, perhaps in our wider surrounding culture, the, the, the temptation is to focus just on the physical part of it and ignore the spiritual part of it. But I think, in my experience, at least sometimes for followers of Jesus, the, the temptation might be the, the opposite of that, to kind of call it merely a spiritual issue and focus on that, and then to ignore the other, the physical, the relational, the emotional, these other uh, aspects. And, um, and, it, and it's bigger than that. And, and because and even sometimes I think one of the things that can happen, if we call anxiety merely a spiritual issue, there's also this other thing that happens where sometimes the sense of it's, that it's your fault, right, can creep in. And when the reality is that, that anxiety very often is caused by things like genetics, brain chemistry, 
environmental factors. And it's good to say, that's not your fault. That's not your fault. It doesn't mean we're powerless. We can't do anything. It doesn't mean God doesn't call us to engage with it. But that's different than taking some kind of blame upon ourselves for it. So the first big idea this morning, God created all of you. He cares about all of you. Managing anxiety will involve interacting with all of you. A uh, few takeaways. So kind of from this first section, a few takeaways would be I strongly encourage you to tell someone, tell someone, tell someone. Anxiety is not meant to be wrestled with in isolation. That's not that's not the way we're wired. So talk, trust a Christian friend who can pray with you, walk with you, talk to a pastor, myself, Christy. Um, we, you know, talk to someone. And then secondly, um, for, for those, if you think counseling would be helpful, then pursue it. Um, I'd be ha- you know, the pastors here would be happy to refer you, help find someone with that kind of expertise. It would be helpful your, for your situation. And I would also want to add that we... the pastoral staff here at Hillcrest would never want finances to be the thing that stops you if you think, oh, this is really what I need right now. So come talk to us about that. We would be happy to um, work with you on that. All right, so that, that's the first um, kind of big idea of the morning. The second um, idea that we wanted to spend a little bit of time on is this, that God is present in the midst of our anxiety. That God is present in in your anxiety. And what I, what I mean by emphasizing this is um, that, that there's this, mind, this, what I would call a problem-solution mindset that we can fall into sometimes. I can fall into this where something like anxiety is viewed simply as a problem to be solved. That, uh, that we need to get be unanxious as quickly as possible, pain-free as quickly as possible. And it's almost the sense of God is absent from this place and that, he, that we need him to fix it, and then, then we can kind of move on with our lives. And, when, and I want to get us out of this problem-solution mindset and suggest that actually Scripture points us to a God present and active in the midst of our mm-hmm. anxiety. Yeah, and it's interesting because oftentimes it's like this fear of the pain, the fear of the dark um, can often make it worse. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon for me to see a young person who's afraid that they won't be able to fall asleep and this fear of not being able to sleep is actually keeping them from getting a good night's sleep and and so for me to help them say like we don't have to be afraid of our anxiety we don't have to be afraid of looking at it and engaging with it that it's not only a bad thing but it can be a place where God uniquely meets us yeah, and so, you know, if there's these kind of these two options, this like problem-solution mindset and problem-solution mindset and God present in the midst of it mindset, this is where I think scripture is God is present in the midst of our anxiety. Yet, that doesn't mean it's good. That's not, I mean, clearly it can be very, very difficult. So it's not calling it good. And it's not saying that God doesn't heal or won't heal. Or won't. God does heal and God does deliver. Uh, but it is saying that, that sometimes that's a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in the journey, in the, in the midst, in the meantime, that place of anxiety, it's not a place of God's absence, but it's actually a place of God's presence mm-hmm. and God's active work. And there's something, there, there, there's a strong stream of Scripture, this idea in Scripture of, of God's gracious strength to us in the midst of our weakness that he reveals something to us and to the world by his strength to us in the midst of our weakness. 
Uh, the book uh, in the Bible that probably is that talks about this more than any other is 2 Corinthians. It's by the same author we read earlier, Paul. He was writing to his friends, Jesus followers in Corinth. And he really focuses on this idea of God's gracious strength in the midst of our weakness. And so we wanted to just read the first part of uh, 2 Corinthians this morning. So Christy's going to read uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for us. All right. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril and will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Thanks. So, you know, in the midst of our anxiety, to just be reminded of who is the God who meets us in anxiety? What is he up to? And the, I mean, the, 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 the scripture that Christy just read is so... I mean, we could do a series just on those ideas of mm-hmm. the God of compassion. The Christ who suffers. Mm-hmm. How suffering can lead to deeper compassion. The idea, the, the, the vulnerability and honesty displayed by Paul about his own struggles. The hoping in the God who raises the dead. I mean, profound truths. But the, the line that I want to pull to our attention this morning is the first sentence um, from what uh, Christy read there. Where uh, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And here we're reminded that who God is, God is the God of compassion and the God of comfort. And in the midst of trouble, and I would say anxiety, God meets us with his comfort and compassion. But being being God-giving compassion upon us, God comforting us in the midst of our anxiety is not the same thing as as God making it all go away. Paul's not saying the God who makes it all go away, makes it all better at the snap of fingers, but he's saying the God who meets us in the midst of our anxiety with compassion and comfort reveals something of himself, shapes us in ways that he desires and does things in the lives of those around us through his 
kindness to us in the midst of our anxiety. God does things in these places. These are not places of his absence. These are places of his active work in our lives. And so this getting out of this problem-solution mindset, moving to a God present in the midst of our anxiety mindset. One time I experienced this was a number of years ago, uh, we were in a season of stressful work situation. Uh, work, well, voca- our vocational world felt out of control. There were things that we didn't have control. It felt like really important, really big deal, but we didn't have control of it. And I was wound up tight about it. Um, my guess is you can think of seasons like this in your life. When, th- when there was uncertainty, you didn't feel in control, whether it was work or school or health or in your spouse's life, or in your parents' life, or in your kids' life. But any time that's like, I don't have control, it creates this anxiety. And particularly whenever you feel like you feel responsible about something this much, but you feel like you have this much control over it, this space gets filled up with anxiety. And that was the season I was in. And so I was, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. thinking about it, because that's fun. And uh, start my day thinking about it, driving around town thinking about it, and then ended my night thinking about it. And um, and I can remember, uh, do, uh, I was here at Hillcrest and decided to go just go for a walk around Fairhaven, and just kind of walk and pray and think. And um, I was all kind of you know wound tight. And uh, this guy comes up to me, who I had met one time before, not from Hillcrest. I've been met in some other setting, and. Uh, and we were just chatting. He's like, hey, I've got something for you. I'm like, oh, oh you know, well, great. <laughs> Thank you. And he hands me a prayer by a 16th century Catholic saint, as you do, right? Just going around, <laughs> you know, prayers for, I don't know. He's just, he's like, I got this for you. Like, okay. And, but he didn't know that I'm kind of like that, like, you know, churches, I'm kind of into stuff like that. But So um, it's this prayer, and I want to read it to you because I do think God was um, saying something to me in this moment. This is a prayer by Francis de Sales, uh, who wrote this. He wrote, Do not look forward to the changes and chances of this life in fear. Rather, look to them with full hope that as they arise, God, whose you are, will deliver you out of them. He has kept you until now. Hold fast to his dear hand and he will lead you safely through all things. And where you cannot walk, he will bear you in his arms. Mm -hmm. Do not look forward to what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting father who cares for you today will take care of you tomorrow and every day. Mm -hmm. Either he will shield you from suffering or he will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Mm -hmm. Be at peace then. And put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginations. Francis de Sales. So here I am, you know, bundle, my mind's buzzing around. You know how, you know what, what that feels like in your mind. I'm all wound up. And God brings this person to my life and, and this prayer about God's faithfulness in the midst of times of uncertainty. And for me, it was God saying to me, Tim, I'm with you in the midst of your anxiety. I'm at work shaping you in the midst of your anxiety. You can trust me. Okay. Now, did I sleep peacefully like a, like a baby from that point? On? No, I still had worry. 
I still was waking up early. I still found myself thinking about it. It didn't make my anxiety magically go away. But there, something changed in my, my view of who God was to me in that, in my view of what he was doing in me. He changed me. He was shaping me in the midst of this anxious season. And I think I just I say that to this, this idea of God's present to us and at work with us in the midst of our anxiety is different than just this problem solution mindset. And I think sometimes in, in the world I've been in, sometimes we can have this, yeah, the problem solution mindset kind of mixed in with Christianity. You can, you can kind of have this like this victorious Christian life and, and God always makes the problems go away and it's always going to feel better. And if it's not that way, something's wrong. And, and, and I think it can be, there, there can be a confusion there because it is true that God is the God who heals and delivers. But scripture also talks about the God who is graciously present in the midst of our weakness and working in the midst of our weakness. And that we need both these realities uh, that scripture testifies to about God. And so I guess I would just, this, this posture of God's compassion towards us in the midst, that God is present and compassionate in the midst of weakness. That he invites you to be compassionate with yourself in times of anxiety. Oftentimes I can be hard on myself. God invites us to be compassionate towards ourselves. God invites us to be compassionate towards those experiencing anxiety. I think one of the temptations to fall into a problem-solution mindset towards those who themselves have anxiety. They are the problem. We're going to fix it, right? God inviting saying, be compassionately present with them. And even compassionate presence toward the caretakers. Family members and friends walking with those in anxiety. Often the caretakers are forgotten. And I think all of this flowing from our understanding of the God of comfort and compassion. So mm-hmm. I, I, that's what that passage speaks to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And this is what our God is like. Our God is a God of comfort. Our God is a God who desires to show up for you in the midst of your experience. Our God is a God who desires to communicate his unending love and his grace and his favor and his mercy upon you when you're experiencing these things. Our God is a God who cares enough to send a random stranger to Fairhaven to give Tim a card from a Catholic saint. We, this prayer was significant for us during this season. Um, we gave it, we shared it with our small group, and one of my dear friends put it in a frame for me. And so we made cards for you guys. They're on the left the left side of the aisles, or at least my left of the sections. And so if you would grab them and pass them down, if for some reason there's not enough in your row, there is enough in this room. And so we'll make sure that you get one if you're wanting one. But put it somewhere where you can be, where you can read it, where you can be encouraged by it, or give it to someone you know who's in a season of uncertainty or anxiety. Because this, I mean, this is the tension that we live in. We live in this reality of being people who believe in a God who heals us and wanting to be present and obedient to that process. And yet we also are people that believe in a God who uses our anxiety, our struggle to shape us, to speak to us. 
um, to, you know, encounter life in that spot with us and for us. And all we can, can do is control our obedience to him and say, Jesus, help me. I need your help even to follow you um, into this. Yeah. So as we, uh, as we conclude this morning, I want to just mention a few practical takeaways. Just to sum it up, a few takeaways. Uh, you know, we've talked about God cares about all of us. Managing anxiety will involve all of us. We've talked about God meets us in the midst of our anxiety. And so a few possible next steps. One would be um, Christian talked about anxiety back in November in our Philippians series. If you would like to think more about this, uh, kind of engage from another angle, I'd encourage you to go on the website and find that message from, I believe it's November 12th. Uh, two, the women's ministry called Collide in Whatcom County. It's a wonderful women's ministry. Uh, their, next, uh, their next gathering is on February 2nd, and it's specifically on the topic of anxiety. And so if you're interested, you can go to their website and find out more about that. And then uh, I just want to remind those two things I said earlier. I want to say them again. One, or I guess this would be number three now. But uh, if, you, like if you're interested in seeking out counseling, don't be afraid to do so. We're happy to help you find. There's very good people um, in, our, in our community that will be happy to work with you on that. And the pastors here will be happy to connect you. Christy could refer you. And then finally, um, if this is touching something in you, I would just please say, tell someone, tell someone, tell someone. Like you, this is not to be wrestled out in isolation. Um, tell a friend, a Christian friend who can pray with you, walk with you. Uh, tell the pastoral staff. We don't want you to be alone on this uh, journey. And so what we're going to do now, this is how we're going to end. Um, Christy's going to pray over us. And then um, we're going to play a piece of worship music. And there's going to be three questions on the screen. And we're going to just give you an opportunity for some time of reflection. You're welcome to write, journal in a notebook, to pray, reflect to yourself. But we just wanted to give a little reflection time. Mm-hmm. Um, before I pray, I just want to say, like, maybe you're here this morning and you are experiencing anxiety of one kind or another. And as I have thought and prayed about this morning, um, one thing I just have sensed is the Lord wanting to say, like, I am with you. Like, you do not have to be afraid. Let me use this. Let me speak to you. Let me shape your heart. Let me reveal myself to you. And maybe you're here today and your body feels out of control. And, and that's why I would say, like, go see your doctor. Like, talk to a professional person who can help you get your body um, back in order. Maybe you're here today and anxiety has been part of your story for a really long time. And so much so that maybe you don't even want to think about it or talk about it or engage with it anymore. And maybe this morning the Lord is saying, like, come on, we can do this. Like, be brave. Have courage. I am with you. I am the God of compassion, and you are not alone. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are so good to us. Um, In these seasons that are hard and challenging, Oh, Jesus, you do. You are next to us. You are carrying us. You are speaking to our hearts. And so, and somehow, even by your grace, you enable us to interact with you and to see you. And so I just pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I just ask that wherever they are at, whatever they're experiencing, whatever someone that they care about is going through, Jesus, I just pray that they would sense you with them. 
that they would sense your peace, like resting over them and indwelling them, God, that you would be speaking compassion over them and giving them the courage to hear it and to receive it. Um, Oh, Lord God, you are the God who heals, and so we want to walk obediently into your healing. Um, And we need your help so deeply, Lord God. Um, We love you, and we pray these things in your name, Jesus, through your spirit. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.